You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. We're only four games into the season, and the roller coaster ride is in full effect. I don't know how to feel. I do know that the Kings are back, hockey's back, the Bannermen are back. This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm, I was ready for this to be a very one-noted, doom-and-gloom kind of... Uh, ripping of the of the team if you will leading up to this and i thought watching that first period so far uh we should say i guess we're recording this on the um immediately after the second avalanche game of this week um but anyway i expected this to be a very sad podcast and and, and that might still be the case but ended on a ended on a slightly happier note than i anticipated if you look at it as a whole Right. If you look at all the games as a whole, the scores, if you look at the box scores, you'd be like, wow, this team is doing well. They lost by one three times and then they won mm-hmm. and then they beat Colorado, the, you know, one of the favorites of the Stanley Cup, probably the favorite by two. So, you know, visually it looks good, but there's I think if I had to sum it up, there's been stretches in this season where it looks like two different teams, two different Kings teams. And that's what we're going to talk about. I think this is going to be two different Kings teams, a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. And even with mm-hmm. some of our players uh, so far this season, that's kind of the way I feel. Shall we start with the Minnesota to some Vardy? Because it was... Sure. I don't like Minnesota as a team. I think... You've, you've said, you've mentioned. <laughs> uh, but I will say uh, Kirill Kaprasov is the real deal. Great player. It's the first time I've ever seen him play. And he is fun to watch the kings were not fun to watch in the first two games yes both times they went up 3-1 but there were portions of those games where it was really hard to watch the <laughs> hockey i know like it's technically preseason technically yeah yeah um and you know guys are still getting their legs under them and not everyone's sharp and chemistry and blah 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 but there's some ugly hockey going on in yeah. those first two games the kings blow two three to one leads both times they were up three to one. I never felt that they were. They looked particularly good, and obviously they eventually let the Wild back in the game. Both games go to overtime. Both games are OT losses. That's not much else to say. I mean, those are two blown leads. I guess the encouraging part for after those two games was that the Kings did establish leads, and um, one or two errors here and there, and the game got away from them. The part that worried me was that. It, you know, Minnesota, I don't think, is a great team, and that's the type of team you should be beating if you have mm-hmm. any hope to be fourth in this division. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair assessment. And I, I just I, – I kept thinking back to – and, you know, this feels like ancient history now because it's so long ago, but there was a time where if the Kings carried a lead into the third period, it was a done deal. Like that, that game, they were not losing that lead, and obviously that's – going way back to the to the Daryl Sutter era. And we're certainly not that same team, both in terms of how we're coached and in terms of personnel. But I think regardless of, of who um, is on the team or who's coaching it, to give away two two-goal leads to the same team twice and lose both of those games is 
is a, is a is a horrible start for any team, I think. And it's one of those things that, you know, for a team especially who hasn't played in 10 some odd months, a lot of younger guys on that team, it's you want a stronger start, I think, in an abbreviated season to kind of build a little bit of momentum. And I think, you know, beyond the fact like you mentioned that in game, I never felt like there was any solid momentum. I never really felt like there was one shift after the next shift after the next, you know, where they were actually like building on something. I felt like all the goals were, were kind of like random, you know, we got lucky and, and it kind of went in. There was never really a, a flow to either game, quite frankly, um, maybe a little bit better tonight, but whether that's, Again, a team who hasn't played together in, in true, you know, in-game fashion for 10-odd months, whether that's the rust coming off or whatever it is. Um, unfortunately, with a short season, you just don't have a lot of time to, to figure that out if you're going to do something with, with this year and not have it just be another kind of a blown year, if you will. Yeah, and the third game against Colorado – you know, it says three to two, but I felt like the Avalanche controlled most of that game. I mm-hmm. felt like they, they being Colorado, really took their foot off the gas and let the Kings come back into that game because it was, it did not look good for a while, and they were dictating the pace. And I felt like they just stopped skating. I think they thought the game was in the bag. Obviously, three nothing is in the NHL a pretty significant lead. Um, but they let the Kings make a game of it. They end up, the Kings still end up losing three to two. But I think, and I mentioned this on Twitter, if the if the Avalanche are going to be this team that's supposed to, or is favored to win the Stanley Cup, win the division, uh, be this killer team, then they cannot let that happen because this tonight's game is different. I will say, but that first game between the Kings and the Avalanche, three two is a very misleading score. I think Colorado. Kind of put their, kind of went to sleep on the Kings. Credit the Kings, they popped a few in there, made a game of it. But after that game, Kings winless in three, um, mm-hmm. did not feel good after that game. Regardless of the fact that it was a one shot game in the end, rolling into tonight's game, not much to feel good about early. Yeah, Colorado went up two nothing, and it was very much like, all right, well, you know, this is what's supposed to happen against this team. They're not going to let. The Kings come back into this one, but there was a, certainly a shift in the way the Kings played. Even before the lead, I thought the Kings were playing well. I thought, yeah, they started. No, I, I thought they started the game really well, and they right. had an early power play, and there was good movement. Um, you got the sense that maybe they, you know, that they were kind of tired and upset with themselves for how they played of in the first three games, but. You know, as is the case when you're playing against world-class, you know, top three NHL talent like Nathan McKinnon, unless you maintain that momentum consistently, they can turn it around on you very quickly, which he he basically, I mean, you know, if you look at the scoreboard, yes, he didn't score the first goal, but he basically made that happen. And then obviously he scored the second goal with just display of, offensive offensive wizardry and trickery in terms of you know so 
I mean, that's, you have to be aware of that. You have to be, that's, that's why you need that, like that consistency one shift after the next shift after the next shift, because you almost have to, I think, take into account that guys like McKinnon, um, not that we're going to play McDavid, but guys of that level can just turn it around on you with one shift and completely sap you of, of everything that you had done leading up to that point, which is what I felt like happened tonight. And they look that way. At least there was this one on the telecast. Yeah. There was this one montage where they showed all the Kings faces after it was two, nothing. And it just, they look so defeated right. and for them to come out and actually turn the game around and win that game. Um, it cha- it's weird, right? One game kind of changes my vibe about the team. Yeah. Because before before this game, I felt like, okay, well, you know, this is looking like we're the worst team in the division. Uh, especially watching other teams. Like, mm-hmm. watch the Ducks against play Minnesota, and they just looked a lot better. They were, like, moving the puck around, um, really putting pressure on the wild, really finding each other, good movement. Uh, even on their cycles, in zone, high low switching, they just looked active. Mm-hmm. I think that's the main thing. They looked active. Yeah. In the first three games, the Kings looked very much like Daryl Sutter was still coaching them, <laughs> except we don't have the personnel to execute Daryl Sutter's system, which is a heavy forecheck, a relentless forecheck, cause havoc, set it up, um, you know, go to the point, shoot it, whatever the case. I don't want to get into the details, right. but it looked like that's and, and what we're doing. Lead. And, and protect the lead. I mean, that's, that's again, that's another highlight of Daryl Sutter hockey was that, like, once you got ahead, you clamped the game down with, with all the things that you just mentioned. And we just never felt that. I never felt like against Minnesota at any point that we were in control of that game. The scoreboard seemed to indicate we were, but I never felt like we were in control. And that's the problem. That's the problem is because, well, how much of that is rust? How much of that is a younger roster plus older veterans having a tough time kind of keeping up with, with you know, in-game speed again? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that. But I mean, to your point of how one game can make a difference, I mean, imagine imagine if they had won at least one of those Minnesota games and then your record is 2-1-1 one, and one, instead of 1-1-2. One, one, and two. I mean, that's, that's, that's a drastically different feeling, isn't it? Of course. You know? Of course. Um, especially in a 56-game season. Exactly. It's even more amplified, but... Uh, tonight, the Kings went 4-2. to two. Drew Doughty starts them off on the scoring. Gabriel Velarde already has two goals on the season. That's great to see. But this second goal, man. Ooh, I didn't know that. You know, <laughs> I didn't know he had that. He, like, yeah. Obviously, a gifted playmaker. Very good uh, high IQ, on-ice vision, pass-first kind of guy. Um, I don't think he's ever been considered a big-time goal scorer, but that's a big-time goal scorer goal scorer's shot right there to put it where he put it at the velocity he did on from that angle and it's a power play goal which is you know great if he's going to get power play time i hope he does continues mm-hmm. that way great to see Andre kopitar has six points on this season very quietly <laughs> very quietly just doing what he kind of always does get picking up you know primary assists <laughs> on goals <laughs> Uh, he's been playing a lot, man, and that's a little concerning to me. 
I'll pull up his ice time here, but I think I mean, they, they throw up a stat. every game, easily. Oh, easily. I think they were... I was watching the Leafs-Oilers game, and uh, they were putting, like, average ice time for this season, the top five, and he was third. And I think it was, like, McDavid. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was, it was like, McDavid Matthews were in there, and Kopi was in the mix, too. I get it, but I do have a little. I do have some concerns about that. Well, that should just not be the case, right? Like the difference is McDavid, Matthews. You're talking like ten years, and however many hundreds of games less on their bodies at that point. And not that Kopitar is no longer our number one center and shouldn't be playing number one center minutes, but come on. 20 plus 22 plus something like that every night for a guy in his, in his mid to early thirties, you'd like to think that you'd want to spread that out a little bit, you know? Yeah. We're looking at maybe, maybe, maybe you don't have those late game collapses on your team. If if these guys aren't exhausted and you can actually put them out there to help seal the deal at the end. All right. Kopitar, Tonight, 24-53 Jesus. of ice time. Um, yeah. Last game against Colorado, 22-15. Previous game against Minnesota, 24-53. That's almost 25 minutes. And then Man. the season opener was 23-29. Now, I will grant you some of that is due to the obscene number of penalties the Kings have been taking. They've been averaging, like, I think six penalties a game. Tonight was the first time that they had less than that. And they're not good penalties. Like a lot of these are just like weird neutral zone stick infractions that are completely unnecessary. Some terrible too calls against men. too. Yeah, fair. Fair enough. <laughs> yes, there were a couple really bad ones against the in the first Colorado game. But right. a couple too many men on the ice calls, you know, just mental errors that, again, drain your momentum, force you to have to put Kopitar out there for essentially useless minutes, like minutes that he's not doing what you're paying him to do. He's, he's killing penalties and trying to stop pucks from going in, which good luck doing that against Colorado on the power play. I think they were scoring at like a 40% clip on the power play right now. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, they're good. Um, Drew Doughty, Vardy. Oh, we're going to go right into that. I huh? mean, look, he's a, He's going to be a polarizing guy this whole year because, let's be honest, last season he was not good. Mm -hmm. We've been very vocal about how not good he was last season. Um, And it wasn't just us who noticed. It wasn't just people around the team that noticed. Across the league, there were, you know, started here whispers, articles, not being included on the team team Canada roster or the projected roster. Right. I don't know who wrote it, whatever, but his name wasn't on it. And, you know, he got a little crabby about that. And I took that personal. Exactly. He, he went MJ and he took that personal. <laughs> Except. And then he went, but he also sounded off about it. He wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, he said he's pissed, he's motivated. He wants to, you know, silence the doubters, prove people wrong. All that other crap that you hear in every cliche sports thing. Coming out of the gate, not doing those things, Drew. Not doing those things early. <laughs> game one. I got to talk about that. 
that Capri Soft breakaway because clearly it's a bad pass by Dustin Brown. No one, Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone in their right mind would tell you that that's a good pass. But what follows the thought process and then the decision making by Drew Doughty, absolutely baffling on that play. (laughs) Um, You you know, as a player of his caliber, his IQ, you should know the second that puck comes off Dustin Brown's stick that that's a bad pass. Mm-hmm. Um, what I expect him to do there, I know it's, it, you know, people might look at it and be like, oh my God, it was just two seconds. That's more than enough time for a player like that to transition and start skating backwards to realize, okay, this is a problem play. He decides, for error one, he decides to go for it, which, mm-hmm. hey, that's fine. I'll, I could live with him going on a puck that maybe he deems to be 50-50, which it was not, but he deems he has a 50% shot of getting it, fine. But what he did after he made that decision, he, uh, he sprawled to the left of Kaprizov, who was going the opposite way. Yeah, he, I, he definitely zigged while Kaprizov very easily zagged around him. I was stunned because one thing about Drew Doughty that we've never doubted is the fact that he understands the game at a different level. His brain, or so we thought his brain, is at a much higher level when it comes to hockey. But that was just, I don't know, it kind of blew my mind what he did there. I was very, very confused. But anyway, it cost, I don't want to say it cost the Kings the game because the pass is bad. But I mean, it's, it's upsetting. It's very upsetting because we have a team of young defensemen an overall team of young defensemen save for Doughty and newcomer Oli Mata, who's still, I think, jury's still out as to how well he's playing at the moment. So like it or not, you have to rely on Drew Doughty to be night in and night out your best defenseman and to set an example for the rest of the team and and just do a good job, you know? Plays like that, are are so bad there's such horrible reads and yes again it all starts with that horrible pass from brown but i mean that's why you pay a guy like drew dowdy 11 million a year to help bail you out of situations like that and not to have not to make plays like that one i mean it, it couldn't have been easier for Kaprizov to get around him. It really couldn't have. You know? It, and let's say, let's say for sake of argument that he was tired. He was at the end of his shift. And Brown made that pass mistakenly thinking that Doughty was, you know, still had legs and was going to skate into it and take the puck up. I, I'm assuming here. I'm assuming that's what Brown thought was going to happen was that he was, that Doughty was closer than he actually was and that he was going to skate into it and make a rush. But let's say he's actually tired and he's at the end of a shift. Why would you try to go after that puck in that case? Why would you not just settle down and say, okay, I guess I have to play defense here and defend? It's, it's, it's of all the options you can make in that play, making a dive at the puck and sweeping it away, staying completely still and just, you know, 
lining up with a guy and playing defense as he comes in on you one-on-one. Hell, taking a penalty, just straight wrapping him up and, and taking him down before he makes it into the zone. He chose the absolute worst possible and most embarrassing option for a guy who's been mouthing off for months about how upset he is that people still don't consider him a world-class defenseman and he's going to shock the world and he's going to show them. Come on, man. Come on. That This is why. Plays like that are what people remember. And I'm happy that he had a goal tonight. I'm happy that he hit a post and he was shooting the puck and was doing all the right things from that standpoint. But ultimately, you're a defenseman. You have to play defense. If you If you don't make plays like that on – on a guy who's a rookie and he embarrasses you for his, you know, for his first goal. What do you think people are going to remember? Quite honestly. All right. So that's where we're going. That's where we're going with this. I like it. And that's chapter one, because I'd love to tell you that that was the only mistake that he's made so far. And the only glaring error he's made in terms of his play over the last four games. But it's just one after I feel like every night there's two or three of them. And I understand that, you know, as a defenseman, you're kind of in this no win situation. It's like a, it's the same thing that happens with defensive backs in the NFL, right? Like you have to mouth off, you have to talk tough, but you know, you're going to get burned. You're, you're going to get beat by a wide receiver. You're going to get beat in, in hockey. You're going to get beat by a forward like McKinnon at some point. Yes, it's going to happen, but it looks so much different when you play optimal defense and the guy still beats you because you're like, hey, it's Nathan McKinnon. He's going to beat me. But let's look at let's look at the goal tonight. It was, again, Ron Tinnan's goal, but basically McKinnon did 95% of the work. Okay? Yeah. He, so he, he toe-drags Mikey Anderson into oblivion, first and foremost, and sets up, sets up a rush. And now he's kind of going in and Dowdy's in this semi-two-on-one situation center's trying to come back and help him out. It's another one of those stupid plays. His options are basically you either cover the pass, you stay between McKinnon and whoever he might throw the puck to, or you make a straight-up play on McKinnon, and you line him up, and you hope that your center is going to come back and pick up the pass. He really does neither. He does another one of these like right-to-left sweeps. McKinnon very easily just holds onto the puck and goes around him, Doughty like falls over, completely takes himself out of the play. It's, you know, I get it. It's McKinnon. He just, he dragged your partner. Now you're in a tough situation. But of all the plays you can make in that situation, he again picks the wrong thing to do. Obviously, the Minnesota play visually is probably worse. But yes. that this Colorado play, the one you just mentioned, I think for me is more disappointing. And the reason it's more disappointing is because here's a guy who prides himself on going against the best forwards in the league. He's, he's talked a lot about loving to play against Connor McDavid and the challenge, loving to play against Austin Matthews and the challenge that brings. And the sad or disappointing thing for me here, he looks like on that play a player who is scared of what Nathan McKinnon might do. So he ends up doing absolutely nothing (laughs) yeah like he's his head's down he's skating at him with his stick down like he's he wants to swipe at it right and it's just you're (laughs) i'm surprised he even got a piece of my skate 
going yeah. across because I thought McKinnon was going to fly over him or something. That's this was to me far more disappointing. Obviously, we're not trying to make this a bash through daddy thing. He gets a goal five on three. It was a great slap shot one timer, right? Um, and his react the thing that's kind of funny is his reaction was was almost like yeah like I told you I'm back or something like that's the kind of that's the kind of look he had on his face yeah and it's just like okay Drew like, you are yes you are this guy but you just got walked on and and we got a you know I don't know who it was but someone sent us a tweet saying like why is <laughs> why is Dowdy in every in the frame on every Kings goal against uh, <laughs> it's because well first of all he played 30 minutes today okay yeah. um, so we gotta give him that I, I get it if you're playing if you're on the ice more than anyone else you're probably gonna have you know more goals scored against you than anyone else I understand all this I really do <laughs> I just but the bad plays are so bad the bad reads are so bad. The bad passes are so bad when he makes them that you're just like, dude, if you're not going to make these plays, if we can't count on you to be the one to not mess this up, what hope do we have? <laughs> oh, man. Um, Mikey Anderson, <laughs> after Nathan McKinnon basically – the hockey equivalent of posterize him mm-hmm. actually came back and, and had a pretty strong, strong rest of the game. So good for him. I'm not worried about a rookie being walked by a freaking superstar. That's the least of my concerns in this situation. Yeah. Um, but uh, Anderson and daddy were both on the ice on the Kings game winner. So good for them, I <laughs> guess. But it looks like, I mean, look, Ali Mata played 11 minutes today. That's not, not good. good. <laughs> That's not good. That's the lowest of any Kings defenseman. Uh, I want to say. And he wasn't hurt or anything, right? I, I haven't seen anything about him being. I haven't. Hurt. I haven't either. Um, but yeah, he played eleven. Walker fourteen. Clay fourteen fifty two. That's not good news for Olimata yeah. when Kale Clay, who's still kind of learning the NHL game, but. I felt it from the first day. I even tweeted. I said, Olimata is going to be the whipping boy this season. He's mm-hmm. got the right number for it. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> if you squint, you'll see the old whipping boy uh, right there waiting for him. Goaltenders, yeah. Vardy, how do you feel about performances? Actually, before we go on to goaltenders, we got to give a few tip of the hats to a couple of forwards. We talked about Velarde. I want to give a shout out to Blake Lazad, who just continues to overachieve. That's basically what this guy, I mean, <laughs> he, he, he is who he is. I don't think he's, you know, one day you're going to wake up and Blake Lazad's going to be a 35 goal scorer. Right. But damn it. If he's not effective and, and helping the team win, he's one of those guys. And I hope he develops into a similar guy, a uh, similar player to Trevor Lewis, just the guy who's, solid at everything can chip in with some offense but really just a tenacious player and he's in my opinion the first four games probably been the most consistent forward the kings have had uh you can make a case for athena who was shooting 100 <laughs> percent up until tonight 
three shots, three goals, one one shot on goal each game. Uh, glad to see it. I don't know and if it'll a, continue. And he got an assist on the on the Kempe goal. Correct. I think he did have an assist today. Uh, so he's got four points in four games. Not bad. Jeff Carter looks smooth. Looks fine. Mm-hmm. Looks like hey, I'm just another year older. Maybe a hair slower, but you know, still here. But I did want to ask you about Leas Anderson mm-hmm. in the limited time we have seen him play, which is two games, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's only been yes. two. Yeah, and limited ice time again because of penalties, etc. Correct. Anything about him uh, that that may have stood out to you? You know, I'll be honest. I was I was going back and forth. I did catch a few smart plays. A few patient plays, I think, that, you know, just come with him having played a bit more than some of the other people, some of the other prospects of his age that we have in the pipeline. And obviously having played in the in the elite league for a little bit. But, again, no points quite yet, I don't think. But the patience, the the willingness a little bit to let the game come to him and not not just slap the puck away out of fear I did I felt like I saw some hints of that again in limited in limited viewing and I think McLennan also was very complimentary of his game um saying again you know I wish I could have put him out there more but we took so many penalties I really couldn't I know that there was a particular play that you you were really pleased with um yeah it's a small thing but it was um, it was a little look off on the half wall, mm-hmm. looked off to the point, and what that did is it drew the defender to the point man ever so briefly, giving Anderson about I don't know half a second to kind of turn his toes towards the net and and get mm-hmm. a shot on goal. It's you know you you know I don't know how noticeable it was, and maybe you know it was just me <laughs> who noticed and liked that, but. It's little things like that that are hard to find in bottom six players. And if he is going to be a part of this team's bottom six, it's little plays like that you want to see. Because I think particularly fourth-line players in the NHL, they're just so programmed to panic. with. The, like, you know, I don't mean to you know bring up Kyle Clifford, but Kyle Clifford on that play, right, he doesn't – he probably – even if he does look off – he just turns and shoots. Uh, yeah. Anderson looked off, and he took another second to just glide in a little more and see, you know, survey the situation, just try to find the best option. Like, it's little things like that, and you want to see that in bottom six players. Blake Lazard has that already, you know what I mean? And, yeah, you know, for a kid who's kind of on his last lifeline, Leas Anderson, you could do a lot worse than be Blake Lazard right now. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's things like that. I did enjoy that play. And I also, today, I think he tried to go to Brown in the slot from about, like, near the goal line. And he was comfortable enough to try it on his backhand. It didn't get there, but there was traffic. It's just, that's a little skill play that I like to see mm-hmm. someone like that try. Uh, probably his coach, probably not happy, probably telling him, you're better off just throwing it at the net in that mm-hmm. situation. But as a fan, I appreciate him trying that. Yeah, I think I think it is interesting, right? Like I I I don't recall McLennan being a very 
iron fist coach in his style. You know, like if, if again, if I have to compare him to Daryl, Daryl is very much like North South game, crash the net, keep it simple, stupid kind of plays, especially for the bottom six players. I don't recall that being necessarily you know, McLennan's MO. I, I feel like he encourages a, a possession and speed game, but not necessarily keep it north south. Don't 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 get fancy with it. Like I think I guess what I'm saying is I I I don't think that he stifles the creativity of the players, but at least the first three games, I was really getting the sense that they were playing a very stifled game. They were playing a very, very north-south kind of trudging along very boring um scared game you know and i whether that's coming from you know the top line players and and then it trickles down to how the the bottom lines played i don't think you're going to win a lot of games playing that way it's it's not that's not how the game is right now like if you watch the winning teams if you watch Colorado Vegas in particular there is so much creativity to their game there is so much like it's not just north and south there's a little east west there's there's the little look offs there's creativity there's there's good support there's speed but I don't know maybe the Kings just don't have the personnel to play that kind of game but I feel like they just they were playing very very scared hockey the first 3 games it was and they scored despite themselves but it just didn't make for a very inspiring hockey to watch you know I agree it looked like a team that was afraid to make a mistake um and really the young players I get it you got, you're inexperienced a lot of you are just trying to stick in the lineup you know, mm-hmm. you're going to just kind of play it safe and be like, I'd rather make the safe play than try something out of the box here and or outside the box here and, and piss the coach off to the point where he's going to sit me next game. I understand right. I understand that mentality, but you also have to keep in mind the Kings, and you mentioned this top line guys, they're north-south guys too. Like Kopitar, right. as skilled as he is, and he is, he's outside of like, some patches he's been pretty much a north south kind of player as well like possession is his game he's not really you know about spreading the ice and and letting his talent go to work that much he's more of a power game type of center he'll protect the puck until something opens up dustin brown look doesn't get much more north south than him yeah some would argue about his lunch bill as lunch bill gets yeah and jeff carter he also is not an east-west player. He's more just flying down the wing. If right. you look at most of his shots on goal, they come down the wing with speed and he throws something on net. Um, and he capitalizes when you give him space in the zone. But again, not a guy who's going to you know, completely discombobulate a defense inside the blue line. He's just going to work in a straight line. So that's how the veterans play. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. be. I'm not too surprised that that's how maybe the youngsters think they need to play. I will say though, Gabe Velarde, on at least three occasions, was doing exactly what you referenced, just going east-west in the zone, pulling a. Def- if he enters on the left side, cutting across and pulling defenders towards him, mm-hmm. uh, and give for one split second where the D has to decide to make that switch, 
it gives him enough time to make a play. He made this nice little play. I want to say it was the... It was either the second Minnesota game or the first Colorado game. He entered the zone mm-hmm. on the left side. He cut across. Uh, he brought the defender to him. He's a, he's not a small kid either. And then he made a nifty little drop pass to Grunstrom, mm-hmm. who shot it directly <laughs> into someone's chest. It was I'm sorry. It was Austin Wagner. Hmm. That makes more sense. Shot it directly into the goalie's chest. Like, That's right. And then that, that is his finishing move. Yes. So. <laughs> and then tonight again, Velarde he tries, tries to use his skill. He tries to use his hands to like go east-west and drag a defender with him and open up the middle of the ice. Like he's trying, and I think that's very encouraging because yeah, that's what we need. That's what the game requires. Well, I mean, that, right that's now. how he was playing. You know, last season before things came to an end, I mean, you, you remember his first game, the little the, the little pull up behind the net, backhand no look pass to to Ferk in the slot. You know, yes, I mean plays like that that you just I don't know the guys who can pull it off know they can pull it off and they try it. And whereas I've been seeing the, <laughs> lots of backhand passes, I feel like they've been more along the variety of the Dustin Brown one that led to Kaprizov's goal. Just very weak, very poorly intentioned, not very well targeted. I mean, the first couple games against Minnesota, again, I, I hate going back to that, but it was such ugly hockey, <laughs> it man. It was not good. It was awful. It was yeah. awful. It was like pucks in skates, pucks behind people, no, no, you know, movement with speed at all, no transition game at all. I just felt like they could not wait to get rid of the puck. Every time someone got the puck, it was just like, oh, I don't want to give it to someone else, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's got to be better. It's just got to be better. And today, I think, was a was a move in the right direction. Um, Velarde's goal, if I may, just since we're we're heaping praise on the boy, um, I, I, I love that he knew he was taking that shot well before the defenseman decided to slide in front of him like it, there could have been no one there at all and he knew he he took like three seconds lined up and knew exactly where he was going to put that puck and it was like it didn't even matter the, the d-man could have slid entirely into his skates and he still would have gotten that off that's the type of play you got to make man that's the type of play i love to see just a bold i got my position i got a look i'm going to take it that kind of shot agreed i appreciate his willingness and his fearlessness. When we're talking about how scared some players look, that's, yeah, that's a pretty fearless shot by him. Um, excited to see how his season goes along. He's already, what, second on the team in scoring? <laughs> I'm not sure. I got to look that up. Yeah, I think him, him, Kempe, Athanasiu, and Carter. Well, Copias. Yeah, Copias. Goals. Six, no, yeah. six yeah. apples. Three yeah. games with two assists for Kopitar. Dustin Brown with his 300th career goal. Hey. Very random. <laughs> yeah, and a couple more milestones are possible. I right. mentioned it in a tweet. I forget at in the moment. Wasn't Kopi coming up on one? It's it's Kopitar and in Carter. Cards? I think yeah. uh, Kopi's coming up on 1,000 points. Mm-hmm. And he's on <laughs> now. He's on, <laughs> he's on pace to get it. Which is amazing because I, I think he was like 50 points away and I was like, uh, 56 games, I don't know. But you know how he goes. I mean, it could, it could slow down at any sure. point right so, now. So, and again, as is, as is his MO, I, 
I don't think he's taking more than like two shots a game. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I think he's 44 points away now from 1,000 points is Kopitar. And Carter is now 17 away from 400. A couple of really oh. cool milestones. Both now that- possible. 400 goals, right? For Carter? Yes, yes. 400 he- goals, sorry. Yeah. 17 goals away from 400. Hey, man. I would, I would love to see it. Because that would mean that would definitely translate to team success as well. If Carter gets, if Carter scores twenty goals this season, <laughs> that is, you better believe the team's going to do well. Yeah, eighteen would be the number. Yeah, if he got to four hundred, I got to I got to give a little credit where it's due. Um, Adrian Kempe has been involved. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. In, in all seriousness, I mean, he, you know, he was, he's a guy whose game has been very strange to pin down. He's got hands, he's got speed, and so everyone just expects him to be a dancer in that way, but the finish just was not consistently there. And so I feel like this season, he's been more and more getting around the goal mouth. In fact, the, the brown goal for, like, the first 30 minutes we thought it might have been Kempe's because it was created because he was driving the net. Right. It just happened to be that it went off of the defender's stick instead of Kempe's, but it was as easily gone off of his and, and he would have had three goals on the season. He's, he's getting to the right spots and he's getting rewarded. And I think that that needs to be acknowledged because one of the issues that we kept seeing with his game is, is a little bit based on our expectations of how he plays, right? Like he's a fast guy. He's got hands, you know, was he a winger? Was he a center? It still wasn't very clear. And I think he's he's owning up to the idea that, like, maybe I don't have to be the one starting and finishing the play. Maybe the goal here should just be to use my frame and use my body positioning in my hands and, and be able to put pucks away. Like like his goal that he scored today, which was eventually the game winner. Yeah. He, he yeah. positioned himself really well. He turned his body around, blocked out the the defender and was able to open up the blade of a stick to be able to tip it to the far post off of Kopitar's, you know, little backhand sauce to the front. That's, that's just easy, smart plays. That's using what you have, but it's not necessarily what you would have expected from, from how he was initially projected and how he initially played, at least not, not from how I, I saw things. That's, you know, that's an area where finishers go and finishers Mm -hmm. finish and, I don't know if he would have finished that. He'd go there too, bro. He's. I know. I know. Sorry. Sorry. I, I set. I set you up there, and you did knocked it down. But even the goal against Colorado, I think it was the second goal the Kings scored last game mm-hmm. against Colorado. That's still a finish that right we haven't really seen consistently, and I hope it is consistent because that's usually a shot he puts wide or a shot mm-hmm. he puts into the goalie who's coming back. Um, so very good to see. I'm still, I still like to see more. I mean, yes, the credit you gave him is deserved, and I'm not going to ignore it. I still feel like I don't know if he's going to be a top six forward. Unfortunately, I think that's fair. That and that's okay, by the yeah. way, because you know, if he's look, man, if your third line is has guys, or your bottom six has the Kempies, Lazats. And everything goes well, Leah Sanderson and 
you know, there's some other good players down there. If Austin Wagner improves, I don't know, if just scores more. I I don't I don't mind the mix we have on the bottom six, and and if Campy is now who he, and he is in my mind destined to be like a solid middle six forward, that's mm-hmm. it's not bad. I'll take that. But the top six better be good, obviously yeah. in that case, because then we have real problems. Yeah, but I think I think they've settled on that. Maybe he hasn't quite accepted that, but I think they have they being the brain trust and the coaching staff has accepted that that's probably where he's going to end up. I don't think anyone is trying to trying to turn him into a top line winger. I think they're hoping he's going to be. I I don't know, but I really don't. I I know. I know it's an option thing. And what I mean is today he was on the top line, right? He was, he was because of how useless the top line had been the first three games. Right. Right. You know, for the longest period of time, the top line was very clearly Kopitar, Ayafalo, and Brown. And we're yet to see really much from Ayafalo so far. And he was someone I was really pretty sure was going to take a good step forward. And obviously there's still time. But, you know, from where his game was last season, the very confident, the very, like, driven, tenacious game that he was playing last season, I don't know if I'm seeing that quite yet. Um and so I think it's reasonable at that point to shuffle it around and see what you get. And, and obviously Kempe again was rewarded again for, for doing it. I, in my mind, if he projects out to being a, you know, a, a 35, 40 point guy and you have a couple of those with him, Lazat, that's, that's pretty solid in my opinion. I, that's, that's a, that's a, a good career trajectory in my mind for, for a guy like him. Yeah. Um, never hit 40 yet, but he is only 25. He 30, didn't he hit 36 at one point? He has 30, he's 37. Is his, yeah. It was in his second season, which was, yeah, his first season he only played 25. His second season he had a full season, 81 games. He had 16-21, and that's, I think, when the fan base, particularly us, <laughs> felt like he... <laughs> You know, there's no reason why this guy can't be, you know, 25 and 35 every year. Right. Uh, hasn't quite happened yet. In fact, he's... Well, only, again, last season was abbreviated. It was 69 games. That's correct. He had 11 and 21. So he's probably going to that same... Yeah. You know. Yeah, he's probably going to get 37, between 35 and 40. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like a, like a 0.5 point, point per game kind of player. I think that's... That's a very reasonable projection for him. So yeah, um, goaltending. No complaints, honestly. Can't, I don't. Can't I really, really complain I either. Yeah, I think one. There's some softies. Obviously, Quickie let one in in the first game that he wants back. Um, I think Peterson against Colorado. That the point shot. I forget who it was. I think it was Taves. With Nachushkin yeah. in front, I think he kind of floated out. He lost the puck maybe yeah. a little bit around that. But I agree. I mean, goaltending hasn't been an issue. Um, Quick looks motivated. Looks like he's – he's still – man, he's still making these 10-bell saves. And he's really like – it's got to hurt at this point <laughs> at his age. Like the amount of times he has to go post to post, it's not great. I mean, he, but the goaltending – yeah, has been good. I think Kings and expected goals against are near the bottom. 
which is not good. I mean, in the bad way, near the bottom. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the goaltenders are doing their I, thing. I, I don't think goaltending has been the issue at all, especially given the number of power plays that they're giving up to opposing teams. I think they've been doing an admirable job. Um, and, again, you you hope that the team would be playing in a way in front of them where Quickie wouldn't have to be making saves like that, but he's still coming up with them. So it's it's hard for me to put any blame on them when there's so many other glaring issues <laughs> amongst the people playing in front of them. Yeah. Um, so two games set against St. Louis coming up. Mm-hmm. And then Minnesota again, two more times at Minnesota this time. So the Kings are going on the road um, for the next four games. St. Louis looks like they've kind of found their stride. I don't think they've played anyone. They lost before. one game the other day then um pretty badly, if I remember correctly, but it's been it's been hard to keep up once all the games kinda of all started at once. Um yeah, but yes, the Kings, you know, we've now they're about to hit the road. They've had a couple players be held out because of COVID precautions. Seems like everything is back in now. Ferk and Turcotte are still on the uh, IR, the week-to-week basis. There's been a few teams already. Dallas has yet to play a game yet because of a, pretty much a straight-up outbreak. Yep. <laughs> Let's call it what it was. I think there was like 17 people, 13 and 14 of which were players that tested positive. So... I have no idea how they're going to reschedule those games. Um, but then Carolina is having a little bit of an issue now. So their game against Florida was postponed tonight, I believe. Um, and four players from the Capitals, <laughs> uh, all being held out. Uh, Ilya Samsonov came down with COVID and his uh, compatriots <laughs> also uh, being held out for a minimum four games for suspicion of uh likely having COVID and potentially having broken COVID protocol, which which the team is being fined for. So, you know, boys are going to do what they're going to do, I guess, in that scenario. Yeah. Um, St. Louis, the loss you mentioned was against Colorado 8 nothing after St. Louis the beat them 4-1 the in, the, in the season opener. So St. Louis actually has won – two and lost to one being in a shootout against the Sharks. So like we said in at the beginning of you know the season or last episode, this is up for grabs, man. Vegas is four and oh. Not surprising. Mm-hmm. Minnesota is second at three and one. Right. With then, two of those wins coming against us being yeah, you know could have should have at least been a split. Yeah. There. Colorado two and two, which I'm sure they're not happy about. So God help Anaheim next game because if if that eight nothing St. Louis drubbing is any indication, the Avalanche yeah. are coming out for blood. Anaheim last one two and one, Arizona one two and one, San Jose two two, uh, two and two. Excuse me. So the Kings yeah. are the Kings are right there, right? Despite and it's weird because you might like our whole tone is kind of down, and you know in this episode we're not super amped. I don't know. What to you know? What to say about that? Other than what we see hasn't been that thrilling. Obviously, a game like this, it shouldn't feel like such a big upset, right? Like I think that's like it, it's stunning that the it, 
to and you look around the internet, it's like it's stunning that the Kings won this game, and it really shouldn't be that stunning. This is the NHL, but that kind of tells you of how the team has looked before tonight. Yeah, so, I, I don't think I don't think we were judging them purely off of standings. I think that's the difference. Like we were looking at that and expressing frustration that one they don't they don't have at least one more point again given those games against Minnesota and two judging them more so on the eye test and also the advanced stats like it just they haven't been playing well they're fortunate to be in the thick of this but they haven't been playing well and so I'm I'm not going to sit here and be overjoyed because you know they're tied with Colorado in points I, I I think I'm judging them based on the play that I'm seeing on the ice. That's more important to me. And I just don't think that they're they're playing well enough to be consistently in this playoff hunt throughout a 56-game season, especially when they're all interdivision games. I mean, every single every single game, game is a four-point is a four-point game. So um, they're you know it's not going to get any easier. St. Louis is not a gimme in any way. Clearly, Minnesota is not a gimme. And you gave away two points there to them. I'm not sure when we're playing Vegas, but I am terrified. So, you know, you got to get your points where you can. I think that's what it comes down to. And I think when you look at it at the end of the season, those two points that you're giving up in games against Minnesota are going to come back and haunt you pretty considerably. All right. Um, any other teams surprising you thus far in the NHL? No, because I knew Montreal was going to be good. Three zero and two. Yeah, but you didn't know Tyler Toffoli was going to be. I knew Tyler Toffoli was going to score five goals in two games. <laughs> Man, is he having a time in Montreal? Uh, getting PK time, getting special teams time. I was so happy when I saw him get the Hattie last game and I really really hoped he was going to get it again today but I think man I'm telling you Montreal this is a good good team this is a good fit they they're rolling right now mm-hmm. uh, they're 302 obviously they lose lose to an OT but Vancouver who I initially had low you convinced me to, to take up they are struggling they're minus 10 goal differential uh 2-4 and 0 near the bottom of the division so just saying, um, <laughs> Winnipeg three and one. Yeah, I think Edmonton probably the most surprising. It's only it's so early to even say these things. It sounds ridiculous, honestly. Yeah, uh, but Edmonton two and three, just the same problems, man. Just the same friggin' problems as always. Yeah. Um, maybe a little better in terms of defending, but just. They're, I think I was looking again at expected goals for and against. I think they're top three in expected goals for and and top three in expected goals against. Bad in the bad way. So bottom three, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, same same old stuff. Toronto. I don't know. Um, I think I expected Chicago more. looking quite terrible. <laughs> yeah, Chicago looking where we thought they would look, probably. Um. Yeah, I mean, every, everything else looks pretty much what we thought. Good for Florida for starting 2-0, I guess. Uh, Buffalo, man. That's rough, man. 
that's that's a you know it's it's those are the ones that surprised me the one you know like buffalo i expected to do better they went out they they tried to improve the roster and right now still stumbling out of the gates i'm i'm happy for detroit not being a complete tire fire i'm happy for bobby ryan having a decent start to the season i think that's 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 a great story columbus is just hilarious to me especially with the events of tonight with uh, outstanding pierre luc dubois being benched from the second period on by tortorella um because because he didn't battle hard enough in in the corner on a play i mean look it is a look it's a soft goddamn play all right like it you is. watch it like it is it's one of the worst forechecking displays i've ever seen right in the right it was, it was one of those controller disconnected moments yeah khl <laughs> guys are like dude come on <laughs> you can, yeah you can muck it up a little more than that but uh, dude if he didn't demand the trade there's no way he's being benched for that right he torts is probably an old school guy not probably i mean you just <laughs> you know at this point he's an old school guy doesn't like trade requests is pissed that it when his top guy currently probably is demanding a trade so the he was just looking for an opportunity just give me one one reason and he gave it to him yep and he sat basically the entire third period and most of the second if i'm not mistaken something like that um Mm -hmm. so they gotta trade him now i think it's just not a good situation yeah it's it's got shades of uh, Patrick Wall Montreal to it. You know what I mean? Like no one's. I, I don't see either one of these guys being able to hug it out <laughs> and get back to things. Yeah. Right yeah. So yeah, that, it's going to be an interesting situation to to watch. Um, another interesting situation, obviously to keep track of, is uh, my man here <laughs> throwing out his. Uh, his crystal ball of betting on a bit of a roll here, bud. Hashtag, I, you know, I'm, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Hashtag banner bets. Is that what you're going to throw out there? Banner bets is correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're doing all right. 12 and four right now. Not too yeah. shabby. I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm not a big better in any way. I, I, I enjoy <laughs> the, the mental game of it. And, and so I play along, you know, with my mo- monopoly money, if you will. But me too, man. I like Maybe. that you're not just, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like that you're not just picking like over unders and who's going to win this game and that game. Like you're you're spicing it up and you're kind of throwing some some prom- prop bets in there. I like it. I like the shots on gold prop bet, man. Like <laughs> I'm going to get into like one bad beat and one good bet in a minute here. But right. like today, I o- I open up whatever I open up and I see and I'm looking at the props and Matthew Barzell is like over two and a half shots for plus 110 which is plus money mm-hmm. and I'm telling you sometimes hockey is such a low key under the radar sport that sometimes these things get heavily mispriced like yes he didn't have a shot on goal in his last two games and to me that's like that he's gonna he's he's gonna go off firing right, right. like that's logic the Islanders coming off a loss He's plays in all situations, you know, over two and a half. He gets it within eight minutes. <laughs> eight minutes, he has three shots on goal and a goal. Right? So those make yeah. me feel good. It was a great goal, by the way. I know. <laughs> oh, was... my God. Um, and 
And uh, similarly, I know. Every, every time he scores, you just cry a little bit because he should have been ours. Should have been ours. Um, similarly, Mark Stone was like plus 125 to have two and a half shots. And he had come off two games where he didn't have a shot on goal either. And you look back at it, like the career numbers, this guy hasn't gone more than three games without getting like five shots in a game. Mm-hmm. So it's just little things like that. It's fun. Um, but yeah, we are 12 and four. If you follow our Twitter and you live in a state where gambling is legal, <laughs> you should be almost rich by now is what I'm saying. Uh, the hashtag is banner bets. Follow us. So my bad beat is the LA Kings. I had the LA Kings in the second game against Minnesota on the money line. I was so confident the way they played Minnesota in the first game. I was fairly confident they're going to get it. Kings on the money line. One second left. Excuse me. Let's let's rewind. First of all, was it Mikey Anderson launches one from from his own end and it hits the goal post? Uh, it was Roy. Matt Roy. Excuse me. Right there you go. Matt Roy would have sealed the game mm-hmm. and the bet for me. Of course, they come down. Drew Doughty gives one of these. I don't even know what he, it was. Just a weak ass poke to the point where Ryan Suter is waiting. Ryan Suter, prolific goal scorer, of course. So, so it was it was worse than that because it was. I think it was a loose puck that ended up kind of in the in the scrum in front of the net, and Ayafalo was was winding up to just blast this thing completely down the other end of the ice and clear it. And instead of letting him do that, Dowdy kind of like half poked at it, which poked it out into the slot up to Suter yeah. and I and away from I have follows wheelhouse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damn it, you got me talking about Dowdy again. And even and even then it goes to Ryan Suter with like a second left. I'm like, we're good. This is Ryan Suter. Yeah. No and of course it, it I don't know what it hit, but it hit something. Beats quick and um I was visibly upset. This game's still not over. I'm like, all right, we're going overtime. I can still win this. Nope, not to be. Kings lose. They don't touch the puck, I think, in overtime. <laughs> and, uh, that's the bad beat. Um, I, I, think the, I think maybe the Barzell one is, is the good one I took, but I think Tampa on the puck line. In hockey, puck line is very um, – it's not a – Explain to me what that is. I, I'm not – I'm sorry. So I'm not savvy. It's with the it's, lingo. It's, it's it's betting the spread in hockey, which is rare, and the spread okay. is always a goal and a half, right? So okay. So Tampa was minus one point five, which means to they, win they the bet, they have to win by two goals or more. Okay. Um, and it's it's not an overly common bet in hockey because it's a three-two league, baby. You know, right? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like uh, you, the money lines are usually not price too high like rarely will you get a money line like today i think the avalanche were minus 260 to win this game Mm -hmm. something bonkers like that anyway um yeah tampa minus 1.5 on the first one they got it so i guess that's the good one but i gotta give a shout out to our listener and our friend cousin joe you know what he bet today no kings in regulation plus 289 this guy and he hits it <laughs> he hits it he showed me he texted me the bed and i was like dude <laughs> like, i don't know <laughs> i don't think so man um he hits it as soon as the kings made it 2-2 he's text he started texting me a smiley <laughs> face um then campy makes it 3-2 and he's just going bonkers <laughs> and then the I empty netter 
I love it. So that's the real. You're the real hero, Joe. Good, You're the good real bet hero. of the week. Kings in regulation plus two eighty nine against the Avalanche. Nicely done, my friend. That's a that's a good bet. I mean, it's a bad bet, but it's a <laughs> great win. It's great, great W. <laughs> oh man, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about more stuff like that moving forward. Nice. But yeah, we'll see how it goes, Kings. I don't know what to think about them yet. I think jury's still yeah. out. Um, would like to see more consistently consistency. If if they can bring the effort they brought in certain patches of this patches in this Colorado game, I think you know we can talk about fourth place being a reality. But for now, it's a watch and see approach. Yeah, wait and, and see. And I think approach. that's fair. I think that's that's very fair. Um, it is episode sixty three. Yeah. Lest we forget. I got one. There, are, there <laughs> You got one? Okay, got good. One. So that's one out of the three that you have to worry about. Great. I don't remember his first name, but his last name is Norton. Okay. Brad Norton. Yes, Brad Norton. Nothing Big but Brad, a, Brad, bro. Yeah, nothing Come but on. a slab of meat on wheels. <laughs> Just <laughs> no skill whatsoever, but he could... He'll pound your face in, my guy. Like he'll he will hurt your chin and your nose. This was he was he was during the fantastic era where we had one to two of these guys on the on the roster at any point in time between him, Ryan Flynn. Yeah, Ryan Flynn and, was there. Uh, and there was one other dude who was like that. It was like probably Peros. Peros was on there. There was one other guy. You know how you knew that these these guys are very memorable to me because their position was literally like wing slash defense. It was <laughs> <laughs> stick me wherever you need me for the three minutes. I'm going to be out there. Yeah. And put my fist where you want it to be. And <laughs> I think if I'm not mistaken, Norton was a D winger. Yes. A D slash winger. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Cool. That's which is just the strangest position. It literally yeah, means yeah. like guy who's waiting to punch <laughs> someone. Most likely a healthy scratch. That's right. That's and right. if he plays. Yeah, it's, it says wing slash B slash HS. Yeah. That's his position. <laughs> and if he plays, you're going to be scratched in the face and right. unhealthy after that. That's right. Um, I just remember another oh, one because I messed up two episodes ago and I gave this. That's this right, answer for is. 60 with Scott Parts, right? It is Scott Parts. That's correct. right. Uh, I thought on episode 61, I thought Parts was one of them. And I remember that day I had to look up his, like I just <laughs> Googled Scott Parts. And I yeah, felt great shame and saw that he was number 63. So, All right, buddy. Well, there's one more. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to get it. And it, it's in your wheelhouse though. Great. It's, it's, it's amongst your... It's amongst the era that I think that you excel at, shall we say. Okay. Can you tell me and, the year? Um, the years that he wore this? So he played for the Kings between 1990 Ooh. and 1993. That's a long and time. Wore, and wore this number from 1990 to 92 until switching it afterwards in 92-93. Wow. 63? Yes. I don't... Now, granted, he didn't play a lot of games. Across three seasons, he <laughs> played 32 games. Okay. Can you tell me what number he changed to? 
I could. <laughs> but you're worried. I am. I'm, actually, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. If you get it off of this, you deserve it. Okay. You change it to eight. So you can, judging by the era and the number changes, you can pretty much say that wow. he was not a goaltender, no, obviously. Number eight in 92, 93, this guy barely played. Yeah, I told you. 32 games in three seasons. I don't got it, man. All right. Renee Chapeldane. <laughs> Hold on. Chap, Chap, <laughs> nope, I said the last name wrong. It's Chapeldane. Renee Chapdelaine. Oh my god, yeah, I'm not getting that. I like <laughs> Oh man. I'm just pulling up his image right now. There's no way. This guy's a minor leaguer through and through, my friend. I can't believe the Kings gave him a real number. He's got terrific hair. He's got terrific nineteen nineties hair. Here, I will uh No no, it's fine. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I see him. I see you, Chapdelaine. You seen him? I'm there looking at go, a photo. Like, there you go. <laughs> Hold on. I'm looking there at a photo from 1993 where he's standing over Glenn Anderson and Doug Gilmore. There's no freaking way this is the playoffs, right? Hey, <laughs> good Lord, it is the playoffs. Chapdelaine well, was in the Toronto series, and I, I am blown away that I don't yeah. Yeah, hold on a second here. I will NHL miscellaneous. So it doesn't say that it doesn't say playoff stats and there should be on. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find it, but yeah, yeah. This there is, you go, buddy. This photo is from May 11th, 1993. That's playoff time. <laughs> That's correct. That is 100% playoff time. Well, I'll be damned, Chappie. There you go. So, so this is obviously the <laughs> Rene Chapdelaine episode. I mean, I don't think we have any other option. <laughs> obviously not. The man has a YouTube video of him fighting um, Jim Sandlack. <laughs> oh, I remember Jimmy Sandlack. He's <laughs> not a happy camper. Yeah, so there's there's a fight video of, of Chapdelaine fighting Jim Sandlack and Jim Agnew versus Brad Jones both going at it at the same time. <laughs> 90s hockey man <laughs> amazing where <laughs> guys like this could have a job <laughs> oh man uh, we got a job we got jobs tomorrow so we gotta go that's true we're happy to be back though i think look at this consistent recording look at this four game recap amazing what <laughs> what's going totally gonna drop the ball next episode <laughs> we'll see you in three months yes Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for keeping the faith despite Vardy's ridiculous comments. <laughs> Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at the Bannerman Pod. Appreciate all the Twitter action. We've been getting a lot of new followers, which is nice. We we were hoping that would happen once the season started. It's nice to see, and we love interacting, and we you know et cetera et cetera. So keep it coming. Not a single follower because of the twelve and four banner bets record, guys. <laughs> Very upsetting. I guess it's our whimsical humor and amazing podcast skills, which you will enjoy next time. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.